does everybody know what time it is? Time to get those sleigh bells jingling, because it's Christmas time. Again! Yes, that's right. It's Christmas in almost July, here at Gruntwork. I.e. August? Basically. around with those silly toys, or alternately give us an iPod shuffle stocked with every episode of Grunt Work, your all-inclusive podcast about the TV series Home Improvement. I'm Truman, the Zuzu's Pedal Man Caps, and with me as always is Landon, now I have a machine gun, ho ho ho, Solano. Wow, that was a very aggressive intro. I know, what, what, that you have a machine gun, or that I'm Zuzu's Pedals? (laughs) I can't even really attribute that to what what you're referencing in the episode. Oh, well, the, the fact that it's Christmas, maybe? Okay, <laughs> and I just get a gun for Christmas? But that's in Die Hard, man. Now I have a machine oh, gun. Oh, well, ho. okay. Bruce Willis has officially gone on record to say it is not a Christmas movie. Wait, Bruce Willis has said that Die Hard isn't yes. a Christmas movie? Okay, well, Stephen E. D'Souza, who fucking wrote the movie <laughs> on Twitter, who I follow, yes, that's right, sir, he does say it's a Christmas movie. Ooh, man, we have a battle of uh, Christmas uh, strength... I don't know. Okay, okay, well, you know, Landon, listen to what you've set up. If you set up a battle of Christmas strength, what movie is going to fucking win that? The movie where a dude drops mm. a guy off of a fucking skyscraper and runs mm-hmm. across glass and jumps away from an exploding helicopter full yeah. of incompetent FBI dudes? <laughs> let's also say, Landon, let's also, let, let me just, let's just crack this open before we get to the episode. The FBI's plan in Die Hard is ludicrous. You're going to what? You're going to shoot <laughs> missiles at a helipad full of rich white people on Christmas Eve in Reagan's America? You got, though, Johnson & Johnson... It's a good thing they died because they would have lost their jobs if their little quote-unquote plan had succeeded. All right? I don't know. I feel like there could have been a a spin afterward in, like, because Reagan area, isn't that, like, it's all about glorifying the military. So, like, yes, of course, there are some very wealthy bystanders of a white nature, but I'm I, I. Guarantee there is a spin somewhere in there to make it pro-military. I mean, given that Reagan was able to get away with Iran-Contra, I suppose anything is possible. But I'm just saying, <laughs> it's like it's like Gruber and the terrorists, they didn't pose any direct existential threat to the surround the area around Nakatomi Plaza. Their whole thing is, we have these, these hostages, yeah. we'll kill them if you don't give us what we want. Johnson & Johnson are like, oh, brilliant idea, we'll kill all the hostages and all the terrorists. <laughs> it would be one thing if it was a plane yeah. flying towards a building. The, ho- the terrorists are already in the building. And I'll tell you what, uh, I I would be the innocent bystander of that because I am in earshot of the Nakatomi building. Oh, most definitely. And um, I just don't want that noise pollution on Christmas Eve. <laughs> you have a hard enough time with construction in your neighborhood. <laughs> you'd, you'd, be, you'd be the one – you would call – uh, Sergeant Powell, and yes. you'd be the one who hasn't got there. Like, it's just it's just so loud at Nakatomi right now. <laughs> you know, to tie this into home improvement, I actually do think that there was a missed opportunity because I feel like Tim Allen in his prime could have starred in a Galaxy Quest-like comedy parody of a Die Hard type of situation. I could see him doing that. Yeah. I could see if they if there if. If the movie parody game was as strong then as it is now, like now it's like any big movie yeah. gets parodied in a like. Well, and I guess I don't movie. even mean like a a parody so much as like a a comedic version, like the Shaun of the Dead version of. I could uh, see that the genre. I could see that Tim Allen probably like there was probably another world where Tim Allen becomes an action star and not a straight up comedy star. Yeah, right. I mean, he had the the look of it and probably could yeah. have. 
Like, maybe if Alec Baldwin wasn't Jack Ryan at that point, maybe it would have been well, Tim Allen. Fuck, man. Bruce Willis started as a sitcom star, so... He absolutely did. <laughs> and let me tell you, watching watching uh, Moonlighting, it, uh, it, it... I'm not gonna say it doesn't hold up well. It's just really weird to see him clowning and having hair. It's <laughs> very odd. And that's why people didn't flock to Hudson Hawk. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I flock. I flock to the hawk like crazy. <laughs> I've never, folks. Listen. I know that we're supposed to talk about other stuff on this podcast. You really want to have a good day? Just watch Hudson Hawk. <laughs> that that movie is bad in a way that very few other bad movies are bad. I wouldn't you agree? Uh, yes, because it has one of my favorite inappropriate what the fuck lines of any movie. Which is uh, the the character Butterfinger sitting in the back of the car with the other goons oh, and goes. Yeah. They're talking about what they're gonna do to the to the heroes, and the guy just he's you know a bit of a dumb dumb one of those like giant hulking guys, and just goes, "You want me to rape him?" Oh God, dude! <laughs> like what the? F- you feel like <laughs> where did that come from? Here, here is my thought about Hudson Hawk. I think there was a lot of improv on set with that movie, mm-hmm. and to, like a movie like Young Frankenstein or something. It's like, oh, there was so much improv on set. That's why it's good. I think with Hudson Hawk, that's a case of there was so much improv on set. That's why it sucked. <laughs> they had a lot of fun making that terrible movie, or made it magic, maybe in the worst best way possible. Uh, I and also one of Bruce Willis's last lines in that movie is looking at Andy <laughs> McDowell, who he's found out as a nun, and saying, "Would you?" Like, to play Nintendo with me sometime. <laughs> it's great. That was purely there because of the Hudson Hawk NES tie-in that they had. <laughs> and that's a true story. There is a Hudson Hawk NES game that came out. Man, you know what else had an NES game was Home Improvement. That's Super Nintendo, thank you very much. <sighs> Fuck me, man. I ruined everything. What are the boys' names, even? <laughs> um, let's let's start talking about Home Improvement before yeah. we get sidetracked okay. by Bruce Willis's career anymore. Uh, yeah. Most of Bruce Willis in theaters now. <laughs> Except it's not. Um, so, so we, we watched an episode. We watched an episode, and holy well, shit, we watched something resembling an episode. No, man, we do that a lot. This episode was an episode. <laughs> like there was, like I'm not saying it was great, but there okay. was they they there's like. 12 pounds of episode in an 8-pound bag. It's a lot of episode. <laughs> spilling out all over the place. Just, it's bursting at the seams yeah. with stuff. It is Christmas, and uh, I don't even... I mean, should I just ask you for a synopsis? Do you have anything else that you can I, handle up I front? cannot give you a synopsis unless you ask for one. Those are the oh, rules. Oh, you're like, you're like a synopsis vampire. I have yeah. to invite you. <laughs> exactly. I have to invite you into my plot house for you to synopsize it. Exactly. Uh, well, I well, want to give you my synopsis. <laughs> I, you wouldn't get invited into my house if you said that. I'd be like, what is a synopsis slang for in Transylvania, sir? Uh, nonetheless, uh, wrap your synopsis before you tap it, and please tell me uh, what happened this week. It's Christmas time, 1993, and it seems like any other Christmas time. Tim is preparing for the neighborhood Christmas light competition against Jock, Doc Johnson. Jock Johnson. <laughs> Uh, Jill is prepping Mark for his big debut as the N in Noel uh, for the church choir. <laughs> Randy becomes the helpless victim of Doc Johnson's daughter, Lauren, and Brad is ready to abandon it all to go skiing with his friends. When Tim, and particularly Jill, tell Brad no, uh, Brad gets all huffy and refuses to go to Christmas Mass, much to Jill's dismay as she proclaims, family is always together at Christmas. And I think I hit my quota of saying Christmas five times in that uh, synopsis. And, and, and now Santa Claus comes out of the mirror and drags us into hell, right? That's, that's how it works? <laughs> that is a horror film I want to see. It probably already exists. There is Satan Claus or something there, like that. There are quite a number of Christmas horror films out out there uh the last one uh the, the closest one to what we just described is probably this uh 
Norwegian one called Rare Exports, uh, where they find a, a Santa kind of embedded in the ice. Uh, like Han Solo. <laughs> but giant. Han and, Santa. Uh, he has all these like little little Santa minions going out for him. Like Elves. What, what you would expect the... the uh, the Santas at the the malls to oh, be, yeah, yeah. but they're like just naked old men with long beards and uh, automaton. It's a really cool movie. Way to go, Scandinavia! Way to make more <laughs> fucked up stuff about snow and holidays that people like. Okay, so do you want to guess what the title of this episode is called? Yes, I have a few options. Uh, I'll Christmas you. I like that one. Thank you. I don't really, but it was the first one I came up with. Okay, uh, ski schooled <laughs> because you not know, as many breasts in, in this episode. Sadly, as the, so sadly, as the move, that is movie. my that is my biggest complaint about every home improvement episode <laughs> is there are not as many breasts as the movie Ski School. Uh, <laughs> two two breasts down, way down. Uh, taking stock ing. Ooh, okay. Uh, Tim's nuts roasting on an open fire. I, I don't really know what I was thinking there. Sometimes I'm just like, sometimes I'm like, I don't have a lot of good ideas, but yeah. I don't just want to sit here and not have them. Yeah. And then I'll, it's me all the time. I'll be home for Christmas mass because Brad, yeah, right. Do you get it? Christmas. Yeah. Chris, okay. Yeah. I, I could have done a portmanteau to make yeah. it easier. Christmas with two S's. Are any of those right? Uh, no, none of them are right. Okay. Do you want to keep guessing or do you want me to give you the <laughs> right title? Dude, if I couldn't get it in five, I'm not going to get it in like seven. Fair. Uh, this episode is called Twas the Blight Before Christmas. Hmm. If this was about something that was inhibiting the growth of crops, I would say <laughs> yes. But I'm not sure that blight does. I mean, can blight be an emotional condition? I think so. Yeah, I use I use blight to kind of uh, describe a a tumultuous situation, like or like uh... that I. You know, he's he's a blight on society. The, yeah, the family's been blighted by by Brad's hormones. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an okay title. I think it's it could have been saved for a better descriptive uh, episode, but whatever. You know, if you if you picture me right now as a state trooper who has pulled the t- the TV show Home Improvement over, I'm going to frown. I'm going to click out my pen and say, "All right, Home Improvement, I'm giving you a warning this time." Scribble, 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 scribble tear, <laughs> hand it in. But next time, do a pun that more directly ties into the episode. Agree. Breaker, breaker, and then I walk away. Um, <laughs> you got bigger fish to fry. Ex- exactly, yeah. exactly. There's other TV show titles to, to roast. <laughs> um, so, Landon, what what'd you think of this episode? Um, we're, an emotional, we're in an emotional state right now. Yeah, There's a lot. this episode had a lot of unexpected things in it that <laughs> we will... I mean, both, <laughs> both in terms of uh, things that happen on the screen, but also, like underpinnings that I wasn't ready for uh, that I'm sure we'll go into in the, the deep dive here in a second. But um, overall, it, it's kind of matching the tone of the season. It has some funny moments. Uh, there are a handful, and they're almost all attributed to L of just me laughing my ass off yeah. uh, for a good 30 seconds. Yeah. Overall, it feels kind of hollow, and Tim is getting more and more on my nerves. Yeah, yeah, there is that. I think I think more and more the reason, and I may have said this before, but it seems to me I was thinking it this week that that more and more with this show we're sort of living in a kaleidoscopic hell in which Tim behaves in this outlandish 
uh, socially unacceptable way, but everyone in society thinks it's all right. And we're like, we're watching it like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck? Why are you doing this? And it's like, I think the reason we like Al so much is because Al is like the only person who, if not even fighting it, is at least like... He, acknowledging he, that it's not okay. Yeah, he's acknowledging that it's not okay, or he's like, you know, he's the one person who, yeah, well, him and Jill, but I don't know. He he will routinely joke at Tim's expense even yeah. if he gets tagged back for I don't know. Somehow, like mm-hmm. Al is like the one person who's like looking at us saying, "I see what's happening, guys. Yeah. I can't well, stop." Jill it. does that too. I mean, that's the whole like banter between their marriage. But J- but Jill remains married to him, so at some point, <laughs> Fair, yeah. so like you have that central question. Oh man, and you know what? Let's just go in the deep dive, because I, I do dive, yeah. have some notes about Jill and Tim's uh, relationship in this episode. Oh, man. Well, let's let's go for it, then. Okay. I can't wait for those. Uh, we are going to take a frosty dive into the cold open. The polar bear plunge. <laughs> uh, we start in tool time. Yes. With, uh, with our hosts... Tim the Toolman Taylor and Al thinks he's getting a Christmas bonus Borland. Oh, suck it, Al. You are routinely amazing at your job and pulling up the slack that Tim routinely gives out, and yet you do not get the honor you deserve. Just just take another shot at the working man, why don't you? Like, <laughs> Tim is straight up... Like, this is the first yeah. seconds of the episode, and already Tim is doing straight-up Ebenezer Scrooge yeah. shit. This is exactly what this kind of stuff Scrooge does. Like, why should you get anything <laughs> special at this simple time of year? Maybe that's why he's cursed to become Santa Claus next I, year. <laughs> honestly, only fitting. I hope he gave every one of those elves not just a Christmas bonus, but also oh. comprehen- comprehensive health care and vision and dental. <laughs> Because they eat so many Christmas cookies, yeah, you need right, dental. You need dental yeah, for yeah, sure. Thank you, obviously. Candy canes, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I had a bit of uh, mild PTSD as soon as this scene started because we are met with a very familiar fireplace. Oh, uh, yes. In which appeared last in the Manhattan Transfer episode yeah. that, uh, you know, took its uh, toll on, on our on, yeah, on, on us. <laughs> on our recording equipment. Yeah, we've got new, we've got new equipment now, so hopefully that won't happen again. <laughs> Yeah, good news, no Manhattan transfer. Yep. Bad news, the Grunt Creep has hijacked a sled that flies. <laughs> I don't know. I, so I'm starting to look at this as there are two sides of the coin. There's the id, <laughs> id and the ego, if you will. This is good. If Tim is the id, I kind of feel like the Grunt Creep might be the ego. Mm. And if there's a war between the two and I am forced to choose sides, I'm going to choose the Grunt Creep side. At this point, I would choose the Grunt Creep side, too. <laughs> so I am no longer afraid of the Grunt Creep. Yeah, I mean, it, this is, again, a very much a Game of Thrones situation where it's like, well, both of them are bad, but on, only <laughs> only one of them is like the army of the dead. I'm going to start to pose that maybe the Grunt Creep is misunderstood. He's like a Frankensteinian character. Not Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster specifically. Thank you. In that he's created without, uh, you know, he's willed into existence and all he is looking for is some sort of peace on Earth. He's trying to make sense of his world. Uh, we are, too. We're trying to make sense of his world, He's born too. into this world that he's not, you know, naturally a part of. He's an animation yeah. living in a live world. And maybe, you know, he's just looking for love. He's like the Gill Man. Aren't we all exactly looking for love? That's why I'm saying he's an empathetic character. Okay, okay, I see that. Maybe a tragic figure, even. Yes. Uh... Who's the Gill Man? <laughs> Creature from the Black Lagoon. Ah, yes. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's one of them there, Shape of Waters. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I got you now. I got you now. Oh, my God. Well, let's just hope he doesn't uh, ever get a 
Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just did the, I just did the uh, woman in Shape of Water simulating what the thing's penis looks like, and just so you know, well, oh, that's what that was. I thought you were just opening a door and a giant penis was coming out. Well, I mean, that's, I think that's more or less how the thing's penis works in Shape of Water. <laughs> Academy Award winner for Best Picture made me cry. Shape of Water, Shape of Water, not in theaters now. Um, so. Anyway, uh, they're they're doing their their Christmas stocking stuffers, yes, at, or their Binford stocking stuffers. I gotta say, from a, a production standpoint, um, I think that you know, if I was the producer of Tool Time, I think that's a really good idea for an episode. It's a brilliant idea. Here's some small Binford products that you yeah. can put in the stocking of your tool loving family member. Yeah, I really like it. I I like it too. Why isn't most of the show like this? <laughs> so let's go through some of the uh, the Binford items that can fit in your stocking. There is the Binford 6100 digital torque wrench. Ooh, yes. Uh, the uh... With which will be the torque of the town. Sorry. <laughs> the Binford fiber optic, uh, fiber optic flashlight. Yes, which you can use to look into dark and dusty places such as... Tim's ear. Yes. <laughs> which... When he does this, Al, Al has the, the flashlight in his hand, and he puts it to Tim's ear, and then there's a light that flashes against the wall, insinuating that Tim has a hollow head. It's a really kind of, I don't know, uh, it, it feels like a Tim gag, but I love that it's Al doing it to Tim, which means that Al had to work that out with the special effects guys before. Yeah, and... yeah. I, I'm at the point where, like, the quality of the joke does not matter if it's Al making a joke <laughs> on Tim. Like, seriously, yeah. like, Al could, like, spray paint swastikas on Tim's car, and normally I'd be like, that's not okay, don't joke about that. But if it's Al doing it to Tim, it's like, Al, you, sca- you, you scamp you. So, a prime example in this with the torque wrench, Tim makes the torque of the town yeah. joke, and then the next line is Al saying, that'll get them torquing. Yeah. You know, or something to that extent, where he just makes the same exact joke. Uh, so you're saying it's funnier... When Al does it, even though it's the same joke, just because it's Al. Absolutely. It's a comedy <laughs> double standard. Uh, Al is the secret sauce. And uh, so then, and then what is it next? Then it's the, what's the name of the vice? <laughs> the Binford Bench Buddy. The Binford Bench Buddy. Yeah. And that, and that, but that's a vice? Yes. I, that's, that should be the name of a cushion. <laughs> I'm sorry. That would just be it. You know, if Binford got into making, uh, of course, I suppose being comfortable in any way is too womanly. So Tim probably uh, wouldn't yes, want to advertise right. that. Um, but yeah, so the bench buddy. As long as that cushion has a rolled up thing of barbed wire inside of it. Exactly, or like it's got a bomb inside of it, or like <laughs> lava, or anything. Or a if, whoopee cushion. Yeah, or a whoopee cushion. Well, a whoopee cushion doesn't hurt you, it just hurts no, your No, but that seems like something Tim would like. Yeah, I, Tim would like, well, I think, honestly, let, you know, let me ask, let, let's ask Tim. Hey, Tim, what do you think of whoopee cushions? Oh, I prefer to make my own whoopee cushions. <laughs> Chili. <laughs> That's probably what his farts. response would be. Yeah, yeah. It, even better, yes, armpit farts. Um, so when he brings out the vice, oh, we, we also skipped over the, the blowtorch, um, oh, which right. comes into play later in the episode. It's a little tiny handheld blowtorch, yeah. he lights it. It's... And it's scary that Tim can have, uh, fire that compact. Or that even they had a prop on set that has this huge jet of fire coming out of it, this little, like, pen-sized <laughs> yeah, thing he's holding. Right. Um, when they're talking about, uh, the Benford Bench Buddy, the vice, um, they bring up a good point of, like, how do you fit that in the stocking? Well, yeah. He has a solution for that. <sighs> the, the the bit was going so well. It was so informative. Such good marketing for Binford. Until Tim comes out with one of Nana Borland's big ol' hunting socks. Which, guys, it's like a normal sock. Except it's so much bigger. Because his, his, his mom's huge. Yeah. And now, then... He gets not one, but two cracks at L uh, for his job. Mm-hmm. And fits in... 
a Al's mom joke in this cold open. Yeah, but then, like, yes, but then how this cold open ends, mm-hmm. which defies... This, like, shattered the fragile reality that this show already <laughs> inhabits. I really... This this open... Honestly, the cold open was when I knew that we were in for some shit with this episode. <laughs> yes. Because he pulls out the sock, he makes the joke, Al reacts in the normal way that a human being would react when you publicly single his mother out for mockery on the basis of her physical appearance. Yep. And then Tim goes, oh no, don't let her in here. And then you just start hearing, goosh, goosh, goosh. And things are like shaking. Yeah. The lights start to dim. We get this overhead shot. You know, like in the Bill Brasky sketches on SNL, <laughs> when Bill Brasky shows up at the end. Bill and, Brasky. Oh, it's Bill Brasky. And he <laughs> shows up at the end. There's a forced perspective shot to make Bill Brasky look a thousand feet yeah. tall. It's kind of like that of mm-hmm. this like shadow of a woman falling over the the audience. And Tim and uh, Heidi. Heidi. They, they book it. They run out. And But Al is just standing. So... Do you have anything to contribute to this, I, man? I don't even know what this to think. is so far removed from logic that I can't even begin to theorize on it. Like, okay, so the way that Al is playing it is like he's got his arms crossed. He's like, okay, another fat mom joke. But then he looks up at the shadow as if it's somewhat in their reality. But and Tim and Heidi run off as if it's a real thing. Uh, I don't know why Heidi's in on Tim shenanigans, but I it was, honestly seeing Heidi run away too. I was like, Heidi, come on, you're better than this. <laughs> don't don't no. You had a choice. Why are you on his side? Um, but it's also animated. It's not like it's a practical effect effect on the set. The way when it dims down, it's it's op, it's a uh, it's computerized. Like mm-hmm. you know, like they they do it in post the. The lights going out and everything. So it's a amalgamation of a lot of things going on at once. And then this this big shadow of Al's mom that looks a lot like Wilson, uh, actually, because it, it has like a fishing hat on the shadow of it. Or Freddy Krueger, I guess, if you want to go yeah, that direction. Yeah, yeah, it could be anybody. Uh, then transitions us to the theme song. So I have no idea what is going on in that final moment. It's like Al's reaction to seeing his mother or his beloved mother unexpectedly walk into the room, if indeed that's what this is supposed to be. He's just kind of looking at her like, oh, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if this is supposed to be some sort of prank that Tim has orchestrated. I also don't know, like, just in the logic of the joke, why is Al's mom shown up at at the set that day? And I also feel like it's a it's a very subversive Godzilla joke. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's really not a joke at Al's mom. It's a joke at the at the Japanese for loving Godzilla. Yeah. That's that's really Tim's true motivating uh, factor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, guys, watch it if you don't believe that this happened. It was strange. Yeah. It, it really, we just went into the opening credits and we're just like, well, here we go. Yeah. This, that, is, it's, this is very crazy. This episode will kill us. <laughs> um, and then we go into the opening credits. Oh, yes. And the boys stay the same age, yet they get so much older. Yeah. <laughs> on, yeah. The, on the episodes. I know, I know, man. It's a real time capsule. Uh, Brad in this particular episode seemed very far removed from... The Brad that we see in the theme credits. Uh, yes, yes. This is a mad and an angry Brad. Maybe maybe <laughs> the weight of all those secrets he's stolen is, is well, weighing on Well, and this him. is... I, I actually have a theory that... Uh, I mean, a grunt work theory. It's not oh. a home improvement theory. That 
Brad stays young in a very portrait of uh, Dorian Gray style in that he can the only way he could stay young is by stealing our secrets. Oh great. Okay, so are we getting older faster because this <laughs> maybe yeah. this kid in in the 90s is stealing our secrets? Yeah, exactly. Those sweet sexy secrets, man, just just rubbing them into his pores. Uh and you know what? I he he got a secret from me. That, oh no, Landon. Um it's okay, so he stares at the cameras, looks deep into my soul, and I was protecting Patricia Richardson. Oh no. So this isn't technically a secret of mine, except that I've been concealing it because I didn't want to talk about it. Sure. Sure, man. Well, this is a safe place. Patricia Richardson is in a horror film <gasps> that takes place on Christmas. <laughs> oh, my. Called Christmas Evil. Okay, can I say? Yeah. Back in, back in like, the, the uh, title cop mode, sir, that's a badass title. <laughs> I'm going to give you my badge now. You're the title cop. That's pretty good. It's a very grimy, gross character study horror film. Like not not one of the like fun not like rare exports as we were talking about earlier, which is kind of like a fun romp. This is like you're getting in the head of someone who's very psychologically deranged. It's it's about a. It's like like watching Home Improvement. Yeah. Well. Kind of. Or like listening to our podcast as time goes by. More more apt. Go on. Uh, Anyway, it's about this guy who just, he kind of loses it uh, because he sees someone get, somebody he's close to get killed on Christmas Mm. and then thinks that he is Santa Claus. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And he has to become Santa Claus and protect the kids on Christmas Eve uh, from the evil in the world and goes on a killing spree. And Patricia Richardson plays the mother of a kid. And um, it's... A really early performance. I want to say it's 1980, uh, maybe 81. Um, and it's not a performance I'm sure she's proud of. Mm. She's fine in it, but what she's asked to do in that I think she, like, smacks her kid at mm. one point. It's, like, one of those That's very, hard to like, see. That, that yeah, would be she's, But she's, like, a single mother. She plays it, to her credit, she plays it as well as she can. She actually, you know, feels like she's embodying a stressed-out single mother on Christmas sure. Eve who has to take her kid somewhere on, you know, shopping, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, it just is unflinching. And anyway... I knew of this going into this whole podcast and like that, you know, out of respect for her. She's never mentioned it in her, you know, interviews and career. She probably wants it hidden. But Brad. But, but Brad, Brad, knifed Brad. in the back by her oldest son. <laughs> so sad. That probably happens in the movie, too. Uh, that is sad. I mean, I guess I'm glad, though, that, that, that now at least he's feasting on somebody else's secrets. I mean, it was a secret you were keeping for Patricia Richardson, but still. Yeah. Um, well... Do you feel better now that that's out there? Uh, I bet she does. Um, I hope so. Uh, you know, if anything, you know, now that it's out in the world, we can begin to start the healing process. Uh, and that's what the holidays are all about. Yeah, deflate, deflate Brad's power. I'm determined that next season he will get older in the theme credits. I, so, yeah, man, suck it, Brad. We're going into the kitchen. Yes, the kitchen. Where Mark is wearing a big red Christmas choir robe with a big <laughs> white N on it. Uh, Jill is hemming it for him. Yeah. And uh, he's concerned that he looks like a nerd. And she <laughs> says, no, you don't. But let's take this off before your brothers get home and call you a nerd. 
<laughs> then he takes it off, and then Truman on the couch goes, "Oh, now who looks like a nerd?" Okay, yeah. his little LL Bean outfit. He's wearing he's wearing like khaki pants with a belt and like a flannel collared shirt tucked into them, and little like New Balance sneakers or something, aka the Truman Caps 1997 collection. But I, you know, I I only I only, I only took the shot because yeah. I've worn I've worn that armor, sir. I know I know just how nerdy you look. Uh, but Tim comes home actually before he takes the robe off and goes, yeah. "N oh, what's that stand for? Naked under the robe, and no one can tell." Yeah, which is like really, Tim? Just anybody? Yeah, I guess I see where Randy gets it. Well, and he has already uh, shown us that last season. Yeah, true. With the rights and wrongs of passage. Yes, very much. Granted, that was a kilt, not a robe, but it's still bad. Uh, so yeah, Tim gets home and he's upset. It's the same thing that gets his goat every Christmas. Yeah. Doc Johnson. Oh, I was going to say a panther. Yeah, well, <laughs> do panthers hunt goats? I don't know. That was the first vicious animal I could think of. You know, if if I know anything about goats, it's that they're hunted by T-Rexes at Jurassic Park. <laughs> but that's <laughs> no go. good because T-Rex wants to hunt. It doesn't want to be fed. Oh. You know, so Doc Johnson has dancing elves on his roof, mm-hmm. which is much to Tim's chagrin. Because Tim has dancing elves on his roof. And in his heart. <laughs> uh, and in his head. Let's be, let's be real. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Tim is Tim is lamenting because once you know every year there's this neighborhood Christmas decorations contest yep. that Doc Johnson always wins. Tim is saying, "Oh, I might lose," and Jill goes, "Yeah, you've lost nine years in a row. I thought you'd be used to it by now." <laughs> but what's really got Tim butthurt right now? What's given Tim the vapors? Should I say butthurt might be a little uncouth? I'll say the old timey version of butthurt, which is the vapors, uh, is that <laughs> Doc Johnson is now putting up the decorations that Tim wants to put up before Tim can put them up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's that and he, scoop. he is—he's baffled by—he he goes through these things like I put the Santa up, he put the Santa up. I've got this idea for uh, snowman. He's already got the snowman, the candy cane, everything that Tim is doing. Doc Johnson is already putting up on his roof. And and to to her credit, Jill points out that you know Christmas tends to have a lot of the same characters. <laughs> so right. so you would tend to see a lot of Santas and reindeer and yeah. such on roofs, but Tim will have nothing of it. I want to just question what is going on in Doc Johnson's life that he's so insecure that he has to steal from... Like, if he's won nine years in a row, why lower yourself to outdoing your inferiors? And also, this guy is in his mid-70s by now. <laughs> so right. is he hiring people to put this stuff up, which seems like it would be cheating? <laughs> uh, no, I have, a, yeah, I have a lot of... I have it's questions if you share the trophy with all of them oh right sure so what the whole neighborhood gets it the whole like it just lives it would be in a like house. uh you know first place trophy goes to and then it has all the names and then probably underneath that supervised by doc johnson no oh, i separated see. out I see. So, and it put on his mantle you know what if it's the k&b construction guys who are oh, helping him my out god make me a whole show about the k&b construction guys putting up anybody's christmas decorations <laughs> just making music with the lights yes and one of them is probably eating the popcorn off the popcorn strings <laughs> it's like rock stop that i love it uh so yeah so tim is tim is upset about this uh operational security leak where doc johnson keeps beating him to the punch uh also, I would like to. I hope that we meet Doc Johnson one day and find out that Doc Johnson is the only person more vain than Tim. <laughs> I hope we don't find that day. I mean, the, just the fact that that Doc Johnson is resorted to spying on other people yeah. so he can be the retired proctologist, winning all of these things. <laughs> oh God, haven't you succeeded enough? Haven't you? Haven't you looked up enough butts, sir, in life? To, haven't you? Haven't you found? What, did you not find the satisfaction you were looking for in all those butts? Why do you have to seek it out now in a neighborhood Christmas tree competition? 
I don't know. I'm just I'm these are rhetorical questions. <laughs> uh so Brad comes in. Yes. Uh actually I do I want to take note before Brad comes in of yeah. uh Jill here. This is the the first scene where um I start to see cracks in their marriage a Uh-oh. little bit. Not necessarily it's it's weird. It's not like a there's tension between them necessarily. Yeah. Jill just feels so divorced from <laughs> anything Tim is saying or cares about or is doing. And I, I'm, I'm not putting that on her. I, I think it's apt in a way. It's well-earned. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so she's like putting uh, ornaments up. And, you know, when Tim is lamenting about Doc Johnson, she's like, oh, he must be spying on us. And then she speaks into an, uh, a An Christmas ornament. bulb on yeah. the tree, like saying, oh, Doc, uh, I think he's on to us. Oh, no, I can't come over tonight. Blah, blah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, do you think this is a joke? And at no point does Jill even make eye contact with Tim during this whole conversation. Yeah. And it really just hit me of like, oh, she is – maybe there's in this – part of their marriage where you know it, it can't all be attention all of the time well also i mean we're just coming off of thanksgiving where tim built a whole winter wonderland in the backyard right. and ruined jill's whole dinner so she might still have some lasting holiday uh, <laughs> hang-ups about True. that stuff yeah it just it really hit me of just like oh she's in a place where she needs to isolate and sequester herself mentally, maybe even a little, you know, distance herself Physically. from... Yeah, exactly. Uh, in order to get through her marriage, and it was just a little, like, hard to watch. A little too real. A little too real. <laughs> yeah. I, it almost made me feel like there was something going on behind the scenes on the set. Like, Tim was being overly obnoxious or maybe made one crack too far that day, and it just kind of, like, gave the performance a weird tone. I always like to kind of speculate about those, like, oh, yeah. something feels weird in this scene. I wonder what was on set that day. <laughs> you know, that, that that could be it. It wouldn't surprise me, honestly, just given kind yeah. of the clash in personalities between those two actors. Well, yeah, I mean, we can't speak to that necessarily. I don't know that we... I don't know that we know. I mean, again, just based on their persona, based yeah. on what we've seen on Twitter. And I don't and... even want to put it all on Tim. I, I think that's pretty unfair of me to do. Uh, I, you know, don't want to say that it was Tim that necessarily put this in motion, but... It felt like something to someone happened on set, and it just made a weird tone. Yeah. Holidays are tough for everybody. It's stressful at work. <laughs> uh, so Brad comes home. Brad comes home. And Brad has got some exciting news. He has been invited to go skiing with his friends this he weekend. Has, yes. Uh, one catch. This weekend is Christmas. <laughs> uh, and as Tim points out, oh, you can't go this weekend. We're running a tool time marathon. It's just 40 hours of me and Al cutting up. And then Jill goes... Also, it's Christmas. And Tim goes, also, it's Christmas! <laughs> Which, for me, was a highlight of the episode. Uh, yeah, and um, we actually get a little bit of uh, Jill singing in her Christmas... Uh, we get, like, a little tease of, of Patricia Richardson's singing voice. Her her musical career yeah, just dangling out of sight. Yeah, she's like, uh, excited about all this. Um, yeah. But, yeah, when Brad real, um, reveals that it is... Uh, this skiing trip is on Christmas. Because Tim, Tim, at first, is very excited. He's like, oh, man, the mountaintop's broken bones and lying at the foot of the hill on a stretcher and blah, blah, blah. Do, do, you, think, do you think Tim gets turned on by pain? Ooh. Do you think, Tim, do you think Tim's into that? How, hmm. Do you think, do you think that, that in that blinged-out closet there is a special secret drawer for whips and nipple clamps? Yeah. You do? Yeah, Because I, I do, too. yeah. Yeah, I do. I, do I, I haven't really thought about it beyond what we speculated very early on in this show, that maybe Tim and Jill get off on car accidents <laughs> <laughs> <A> real, <laughs> via crash. Yeah, real David Cronenberg um, move. 
But I can absolutely see Tim with like a ball gag with his, a Binford ball gag, a Binford ball gag with like his pants around his ankles on all fours, you know, waiting to be spanked by a dominatrix, or waiting to be asphyxiated. Um, that might be a little. Maybe that's revealing something about me going that specific with it. What, but... what just that you know about dominatrixes? I feel, <laughs> dude, it's it's 2018. Lots of people know about the existence of dominatrixes. Okay, fair. Thank you for bailing me out of that. Um, I once I can see that. I I, I if you're putting that out as a theory. I'm backing it. I, I would, look, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, well, there's a whole Black Mirror episode about that doctor who has the ability to feel pain, and then he winds up getting turned on by pain. Like, he can feel uh, patient's yeah. pain. I feel Tim might be one of those. Like, at first it was normal, but then he got hurt so much on tool time, and he already loves the attention so much that those yeah. feelings get mixed up. And actually, I have a whole theory of my own that we'll get into later in the episode oh. about that specific thing. Stay tuned for more grunt work coming up. <laughs> Uh, Starting right now. <laughs> with gr- t- Stay tuned for more grunt work. But first, grunt work. <laughs> uh, so, Jill wants Brad to stay with the family for yeah. Christmas because they always stay together. Yeah, this is the first time she says family always stays together. Or fa- family is always together at Christmas. Yes. Um, and I don't know. Do you, I, I kind of want to bring that up. Yeah. To, I mean, I know we're kind of going through this episode slowly, but family at Christmas time. Family is always together at Christmas. How do you feel about that? Uh, I have essentially two. I have my my family basically consists of four other people, so yeah. it's pretty easy for me. Like I'm always with. I've I've spent every Christmas with my parents. Yeah. Uh, but that is just three people sitting around eating a right. turkey and watching Die Hard. So. You and I are only children, so that makes it a little easier. Yeah. When I moved and when I moved to uh, California here, my mom gave me one caveat. Yeah. Uh, which was. Um, we have to spend every Christmas together. That's, sure. That's the only thing. Yeah. Um, essentially mirroring what Jill is saying here. Yeah. Family is always together at Christmas time. Well, did, I mean, do you agree with that, with that sentiment? Um, I, I think there can be exceptions. Yeah. You know, uh, unlike, you know, you, you're on the same coast as your parents, that, right? That makes yeah, it much I'm easier. I'm across the country from my parents. It's, it's a cheaper, easier flight for me. <laughs> I, I got and, and Worst case scenario, on Christmas Day, if you left at 6 in the morning, you could drive there if you had a car. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that would be... I'd have to steal <laughs> yours. Long-ass Uber and expensive Uber ride. I would have to get up... I would have to get up at 4.30 to make it over to your place and break into your car and hotwire it to then leave <laughs> at 6 o'clock. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... No, but that that is possible. But yeah. honestly, as, as a... As a family of non-Christians who don't really put a lot of stock in the holiday itself, aside Mm -hmm. from an excuse to be together, if it came to that, I don't even know that I would necessarily drive 14 hours to see my parents on Christmas. (laughs) I would call them and be like, hey guys, I got a flight in four days. Can I see you on like December 29th? Well, and and we'll have as much fun. Longtime grunt work listeners will remember that's what happened to me this year. I got the flu while at the airport uh, on Christmas and ended up having to postpone my trip uh, until January. So, um, but it was still like my parents and I celebrated Christmas together in January. Sure. Um, So, I don't know. But... What's also interesting to me is that this is, like, the first of a number of things in this episode that really feel like – I don't want to attribute to any specific person, uh, but it could be the studio, could be the writers, could be any number of people, producers, uh, really trying to instill family values, mm. uh, specifically, like, conservative values. A bit. Yeah. Uh, more than I've felt in any other episode of Home Improvement to this point. I myself, I I can see sort of where that's coming from, but I also don't think, I don't think the notion of 
of I want my 12-year-old son to be with me on Christmas, I don't think that's a super family values-y thing. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, look, look, if I got invited on a ski trip at like, I've been invited to do things on Christmas, or like, oh, instead of going home for Christmas, you could do this. I always say no, because I know how right. important it is to my parents and how important it is to me that I'm home for Christmas, mm-hmm. even though... God doesn't factor in. We don't have any, <laughs> right. like, none of that is important to us. It's just the togetherness, and that, honestly, is, I think, the best thing about the holidays. Yeah, I, and I would agree with that. I just, there's some sort of essence to this, and I think it's really driven home to me uh, in the later episode, uh, scenes with at the church um, that really, this, more than any other episode of Home Improvement, feels nuclear family-ish. Mm-hmm. And that, and when I say conservative, I mean in the very general scheme, not in what the term conservative has become. Sure, of course. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, it just felt like a, a strange tone shift for the show. Well, you know, let's keep an eye on it, certainly. I mean, I think this is really the first episode that goes in depth with them going to church yeah. and being involved in their religion, which is, I've got some comments about that down yeah. the line. Well, so let's maybe, get, maybe, let's maybe we'll revisit. Yeah. Pushing forward, then. Yeah. Let's press ahead. Basically, so then, they say, Brad, you can't go. Brad has a huff and goes upstairs. Yeah, Brad is... Super upset. Like, the, Brad is angry and leaves angry, and this scene leaves with a... This scene ends not on a joke, but on a... Just, like, <laughs> kind of the, the music cue you get when it's like, uh-oh, yeah. something we have to think about I, I wish that our listeners could see your little... Uh, it was... You were miming a guitar, but it was the size of a ukulele. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't really... If I if I had really been smart in college, I would have learned to play guitar or something, so I could at least air guitar properly. Like oh, I could, man. I could. You want me to air trumpet it right? <laughs> You're still doing the guitar noise. Well, yeah, because that's the sound. I'm not gonna make a different sound. A trumpet makes a different sound than a guitar. Doesn't really? Matter. Oh man, I this should have majored in music. College. Um, uh, so we then get an early Wilson scene. An early Wilson scene. A Christmas miracle. <laughs> um. But then the miracle quickly dissipates as soon as Tim reveals. Yeah. So they're out there talking, and Tim is working on his on his Christmas decorations, and he reveals what he's about to put up. The three wise tool guys. So it's cardboard cutouts of the three wise men, each one with a Tim face pasted to it. Landon, what do you think of this? Uh, not much. <laughs> It, 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 I don't know, man. I, I, I don't, I, I don't the... want to keep <laughs> blasting Tim Allen or Tim, the character Tim Taylor, but the, the, the narcissistic stuff is really just like, I get it. There's not a lot of like room for commentary or criticism of it, but it's just, it's not funny. I look it's just simply it. I ha- I have good things to say about Tim Allen and Tim Taylor later yeah. in the episode. So I mean, I will I will say this is some fucking galaxy brain narcissism. Yeah, to be a practicing Christian who believes in God and say I'm going to take three of the most important characters from my religion's creation myth, and I'm going to not only Mary Sue fan fiction myself into <laughs> one of them, I'm going to put myself into all three of them. I have to be all three of the way. Yeah. Like, that is the point that it goes away from being an asshole and approaches like, you are a crazy person who somehow still has a house and a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I feel like there's another version of it where he, like, does the four wise men and, like, puts... A, another Tim. Another, you know, puts a Tim, you know, behind the three wise men. Yeah. Uh, but no, this is just, like... I'm the wise men. Yes. Listen, I'm the wise men now. Uh, 
This is this. I mean, but also this is the same dude who found out that his son liked ventriloquism, so he made him a ventriloquist replica right. of his own father. Yeah, and, and that everyone. This is this when I said nightmare kaleidoscope hellscape earlier. Typical words you say in a Christmas episode. <laughs> uh, this is the sort of thing that I meant, where like yeah. Wilson and you know you know that Jill signed off on this, or at least saw this happening. Everyone else saw Tim doing this and was like, "Yep, that's a normal thing for an adult to do." And you know what is funny because it actually painted uh, Wilson's character for me in a little bit of a deeper way to to. See how enlightened Wilson is to not have any reaction. There's actually Earl Hinman. It, I could be reading into this, but it almost feels like he has he like he acknowledges what's happening. He sees the narcissism for what it is, but is like he plays the character of Wilson as so enlightened as to like he can't not acknowledge it. So he comments on it, but doesn't lambast Tim Tim for it. Like, he knows he's not going to get through to Tim. He knows. So it's like he, it's that criticism is there, it feels like, but he doesn't, like, comment on it in a weird way. It's not really, look, at the end of the... That's my armchair (laughs) psychoanalysis for the week. I think it makes sense. Wilson's really smart. He knows that Tim is really, at the end of the day, not his problem. He's a guy he talks to in the backyard, and I think Wilson enjoys the intellectual exercise of interacting with Tim, but... At the end of the day, he's like, yeah, Tim, you were a destructive narcissist, and it's going to push everyone away, but I can't help you, neighbor. I'm just... You, you <laughs> well, haven't even seen my whole like, face. He recognizes it could push people away, and he chooses to embrace it rather than alienate himself from it. I, I or suppose so. Himself from it. He's, he's just loving the ride. Yeah, and I think that's just a mark of uh, his enlightenment, in a way. All I'm saying is, if, say, there was a one... Okay, if... If on, okay, November 24th, obviously, is the uh, anniversary of the creation of Mystery Science Theater 3000 <laughs> when they debuted on uh, KTMAX in Minneapolis. Uh, <laughs> if every November 24th, when I put up my Mystery Science Theater 3000 nativity display, like, if you saw me doing it and I had pasted my face over Joel Hodson, over Crow and Servo Gypsy, if I yeah. pasted my own face over Prop Master B's McNeever's uh, <laughs> uh, stand-up and everything, you'd look at that and think, Truman, you've... You've stopped celebrating this important holiday to you, and you've turned it into a celebration of yourself. Something seems wrong here. My only reaction to that would be, oh, Truman, buddy, you can create something for yourself someday. Exactly. (laughs) But if you were Wilson, you would just be like, well, Truman, you you keep Mystery Science Theater in your own way. That's, I mean... (laughs) You know, in 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 a weird turn, that just kind of made me realize Wilson is kind of treating Tim like a child. Like, yeah. Hey, here's my painting that I just did. And Wilson's very much like, oh, that's very good, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, Wilson has never had kids, but he's basically been raising Tim. Yeah, there you go. Wow, that's that's the new one. It's that Jill and Wilson are raising Tim. Ooh. Ooh, man. Speaking of galaxy brains. Uh, so anyway, it turns out uh, Doc Johnson has also just put up the three wise men on his roof, yeah. albeit not with Tim's face on them, I would hope. And Tim and Wilson go to look at this, and we're treated to a whole new shot. A, a brand new shot. A brand new camera I angle feel like if backyard. I was standing up, I would have fallen over. You, you, need, you need a fainting couch in your house <laughs> just for these random weird shots. Just uh, sitting on my couch, I needed a tinier, smaller couch right in front of the couch that I can call my fainting couch so that I would faint off the couch onto the other couch. Is this your way of saying that when we watch the episodes, I shouldn't take the chaise lounge anymore? <laughs> Um, so I, I, like, the, the camera is pointing from the, if you've, if you've watched the show, you've seen the, the, like, little green area that the yeah, boys Mark's hiding through. spot, essentially. Right. Yeah, it's, like, basically pointing from Mark's hiding spot 
towards the backyard. So we get this little corner of Wilson's fence. Yeah. And then Tim's standing next to it. So this means that the, the Taylor's yard is not fully fenced off from whatever's there. Yeah, also, it's just this, Wilson. And it calls Which it, means that, I would assume, that's Wilson's fence. It's not Tim's fence. I suppose so. That would make sense. Mm. <laughs> Tim Tim didn't need a fence, but Wilson, as soon as Tim moved in, was like, I gotta, I gotta block this guy out. I gotta hide the bottom of my face. No, no with this. Um... Yeah, but so they both go and look, and I guess they just talk about how Doc Johnson must have ESP or something, and yeah. Tim makes joke about... ESPN. Yeah, he says, oh, well, what does him having a cable sports network have to do with anything? And for me, it's just like, Tim, you have ESPN. I promise. <laughs> I don't even know if ESPN2 existed back then, but you probably had ESPN2. You were yeah. the first one. Oh, boy. Um, we get a Christmas bulb transition to inside the house. Yes. Unless you wanted to talk about Wilson's... Uh, uh, Yulnik, the no. Scandinavian wheat that he's putting together. No. Okay. We go inside the Taylor home. So, sorry, listeners. Look up Yulnik. It's not important. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Brad is saxophoning. Yeah, he's playing sax upstairs. That's... And they, they say that as if it's a thing that's already existed. Yeah, yeah. They act like we just know. <laughs> the, really, if all the kids, would Brad be the one with musical inclinations? No way. No, it would be a Randy It'd move. It would be totally Randy. I could even see Mark dabbling, because it seems like over the last couple seasons, he's been trying to find his footing. Like, what yeah. is my thing? It's not karate. No, it's, it's certainly not, not karate. It's not Boy Scouts anymore. It's not, it's not opera. <laughs> not opera. Uh, you know, I could see... Well, it would make more sense for Mark, too, because Mark would be the one who would... Like, as as a person who was in marching band for eight years, I can see a soon-to-be marching band geek when I see one, and that is wow. so Mark. We, we've really landed on the correlation between you and Mark. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't like it. Mark is my least favorite boy, but yeah. I, I'm not going to, like, lie to our audience. It's like, oh, yeah, no, bro, it's totally me. I was dating lots of girls back then. No, I was a Mark, dude. Let's just All right. let's get it out there in the world. Um, but, yeah, he's upstairs honking and tooting, and that's not a euphemism for farting, because I know you're going to go there. Oh, okay. uh, uh, but it's just him, you know, it, like they joke, oh, he's trying to play the blues because he's sad that he can't go skiing. Yeah. Um, Which I feel like is a good joke, but not well executed here. Yeah, not really well Like, done. I feel like there's a, a much funnier way to deliver that. Anyway, Randy comes home. Yes. Um, to And, and Tim is, is frustrated as well because Jock, Doc Johnson has just put up yet another one of Tim's... Uh, uh, decorations. I, I like that you ca- keep calling him Jock Donson because that li- <laughs> that literally sounds like one of Han Solo's old nemeses. Like, like ah, I owe it. He's one of the bounty hunters of the I, Empire. I, I owe a 200,000 credit debt to Jock Donson over in Repulon 4. <laughs> Played by Don Johnson. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Driving, tooling around in a, in a uh, like, Lamborghini or some sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, sp- space car sports ship. Space car sports ship. Okay, <laughs> folks, anyway. The, the Binford space car sports ship. <laughs> 6,100. Um, Randy says, I think I might know how Doc Johnson is getting all your information. Yes. He, he's like, I think someone is, is is leaking. I think there's a mole in the household. He, he thinks there's some collusion, basically. And he goes, Brad? Really? I wouldn't expect Brad. Mm. It's like, oh, Mark... Mark, that little—he's got such a big mouth. He's like, it no, would, it would be Mark normally. I would, I would. He could have. Randy successfully could have pinned this on Mark and gotten away scot free. Yeah. Go on. He goes, no, it's me. Uh, Doc Johnson's granddaughter, Lauren, uh, was talking to me, and you know, I may have divulged a few thing or twos. Because apparently she's really cute, and Randy got honeypotted. A classic, <laughs> uh, just a classic honeypot situation. Now, I, I was very 
I'm the fence over whether or not to bring this up. Uh, my ego uh, in spotting this won out, so I'm going to. Okay, tell me what you spotted. <laughs> uh, at some point during the show, Randy gets his own Ashley Jennifer girlfriend. I've I've heard that lots of boys as teenagers have girlfriends. It didn't necessarily happen <laughs> yes, for but me. Yes, but one that's a recurring character on mm-hmm. the show. Her name actually ends up being Lauren. And I'm wondering if the Lauren... I, now, I, this is the part I don't know. I'm wondering if the Lauren that he eventually ends up with uh, is actually Doc Johnson's granddaughter. Well, you know, they seeded, they seeded Jenny Sadarsky for a good long time before we finally met her. That's true. So yeah, maybe... I, hey, man, maybe it is. They're showing a tendency towards continuity, and they're planting seeds of Jill maybe potentially being a psychologist at one point. You're right. I, I like it, man. I think that might that okay. might you might have something there. Well, hey, there we go. Uh, so, but Tim is upset that his, that his son has been, uh, you know, that, that his son's loose lips have sunk his Christmas decoration ship. And he says, <laughs> you know, that... there's no, there's no information more private than a family's lighting arrangements. <laughs> um, but then this plot kind of just stops here. It's basically yeah. just Randy admitting like, oh, yeah, no you know, repercussions, no, nothing with Doc Johnson. It's just. That's it. Hi, hi, Truman. How would you have written it? Well, thank you for asking, Landon. If it had been me, I would have had Tim and Randy start collaborating to feed misinformation to Doc Johnson. Ah, yeah. That's a whole episode on its own. See, see and then yeah. it's like by the end of the episode, Doc Johnson's house is all done up in all sorts of Kwanzaa stuff, and then Tim pulls the whole switcheroo. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Plot twist, he still wins because uh, his Kwanzaa decorations are beautiful. Tim deserves to be taken down a peg or two. Tim, uh, well, yeah, I think that's really, that could be the new title of our podcast. <laughs> Tim deserves to be taken down a peg or two, a podcast about the TV series Home Improvement. Um, I missed the transition on this. So Tim has rolled out a gigantic red ball, which is Rudolph Snow. Oh, yeah, right. And then the transition out of this is a gigantic reindeer face flying into the screen, connecting with the nose and coming back out. I am glad I missed that. I'm I'm sorry that I saw it. <laughs> I, that sounds like something out of a Christmas horror film. I, it was, man. It was. Uh, Satan Claus. I'm actually surprised that they haven't uh, done a like kaiju movie about Christmas and giant reindeer. That w- would honestly be pretty cool. I know that, that Japan has made a couple like Godzilla movies that are now much more about like... You know, it's not just a you know, it, it's got a lot more social satire to it. I know that the mm. movies that the Godzilla movies always, were always they always have really. I, I don't know, so maybe they would do one like that. That's about how Christmas has been commercialized, and now like <laughs> oh, we've we've brought in so much so much Westernized Christian traditions that now a gigantic Santa Claus is stomping Tokyo, but it really means something else. <laughs> uh, I like it, although I, I don't know how widely celebrated Christmas is in Japan. I guess I don't know either. I mean, I it's probably. I don't know. I mean, I know there's a lot of Christian uh, beliefs out there. Yeah, but... out there, around, around them, there are parts <laughs> around Asia. Uh, but I know it's you know there's a lot of Buddhists as well. I've heard that in China, Christmas is a huge like it's a shopping holiday, but for them, it's kind of like Valentine's Day. Like it's a big romantic holiday. Oh, interesting. So, so all of you devout Christians celebrating Christmas, just know that on Christmas Eve, when you're like singing hymns. There's probably about half a billion Chinese people having sex, like, because it's their <laughs> I, Valentine's Day. I think Day. it's probably safe to say there's probably half a million Chinese people having sex at any given time. Yes, okay, fair. Uh, uh, and not just Chinese people, any people. There's probably a lot of people having sex while you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, you hear that, prudes? People are out there having sex all the time. There might be people having sex while listening to this podcast. Stop immediately. <laughs> you're going to conceive a messed up child. 
you're, you're, it's gonna it's it's gonna be like that uh, uh, pod person from uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Jerry Garcia's oh, head yeah. on a dog and body. The, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Look, guys, this this podcast contains chemicals known to the state of California to cause birth defects. So please don't listen to it when you're bumping uglies. Uh, you know, our our OGs send us wonderful stuff, but now one of our OGs is going to send us a terrible sex tape with our voices in the background. Oh, no, Merry Christmas. Uh, so, so Rudolph transition to the house again. Yeah, everyone Ru- is dressed to the nines to go to church. Go yeah, to Christmas mass. Uh, except for one. Except for one. It's Brad. Brad is Excuse like. Me, why? Well, I knew you're letting the helium in. We're back. There, yeah, okay, we're good. You gotta stop sucking on those balloons, I know, man. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it's you know, uh, Mark and Randy come down looking very natty in their black suits, but then Brad just looks like uh, Kevin Smith at any given time. <laughs> He's not wearing a hockey jersey necessarily, but he looks about as schlubby. Uh, point of order: uh, Kevin Smith has given up the hockey jersey for a blazer. Oh, he wears blazers now. Blazers and jorts. Blazers and jorts. Really, Kevin not, Smith. Not jerseys and jorts. <laughs> Jerseys and Jorts would be a good name for a BJ's Brewhouse Buffalo Wild Wings type <laughs> chain restaurant. Yes. It would be for a weird, like, or, or like Hooters, I guess. Like, all the waiters wear blazers and jorts. You have to have a... It's, a, it's the male Hooters, though. It's the guys with man boobs. Yeah, it's like, it's a very, spe- it caters to a very niche fetish, but it's run, <laughs> but it's invented by a crazy bit. Jeff Bezos, guys, I don't know if you know this about Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, richest man on earth. He he is a crazy fetish for blazers and jorts. So he created his own <laughs> chain restaurant that is exclusively for the six other people with that fetish who want to see that while they're eating some Cajun tater tots. Guys, I think our best material happens when it's 90 degrees in Landon's apartment. <laughs> um, so anyway, we yeah, so they are uh, they are all dressed up, but yeah. Mark but Brad is not because Brad isn't going to go. Yeah, exactly. Um and he throws a little hissy fit again, uh saying like if I can't go skiing, why do I have to go to church? And I feel like that's pretty obvious, Brad. Like you know why. Like but... you're home to spend it with the family. Thus, that means you're going to church. What what in your mind wasn't yeah going on there? Kids these days. Kids those days. Kids every days. Yeah. <laughs> Kids, am I right? Uh, so, anyway, so Brad mouths off to them, and uh, Jill and Tim send the kids, the other kids to the car, try to convince him to go, but he's just, like, more and more mouthy and pissing them off more, and finally Jill just goes, you know what? Fine. Stay. We don't want you moping around ruining Christmas. <laughs> And so they leave, and they go to the church. Yep. And the church. They leave, they leave Brad home. They leave Navidad. Now, I missed the transition to the church as well. I don't necessarily even remember what... I think it was a very somber transition. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's church. With the ukulele guitar again. Yeah. Um, yeah yes, one of those. <laughs> it was a crossfade. <laughs> uh, and we go to the church where... Um, let me... Let's just do a quick... So they're, they're greeted by um, the reverend... Yes. And let me go into a quick character actor corner. Do it. Uh, the Reverend is played by Alan Fudge, um, <laughs> who unfortunately nice. passed away in 2011. Oh, Fudge. <laughs> uh, you might know him from The Natural. <gasps> Wait, who does he play in The Natural? He played Ed Hobbs. Oh, the, the, the Natural's dad. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I remember that scene where he has the heart attack out by the tree. That was he, sad stuff. Uh, yeah, he was in The, the uh, Man Who Wasn't There by the Coen Brothers. Really? Okay. Was he was he one of the detectives in that? Dr. Diedrichson. Mm, I, honestly, I know who that is. Okay. Yeah, go on. <laughs> he was in Airport 75, Edward Scissorhands, 
Um, I wish Airport 75 Edward Scissorhands was actually a movie. Because <laughs> that would be the thing. They tried to go, they tried to add more and more stuff to those airport movies. They could have, if they'd added Edward know, Scissorhands right? on your plane, that really would have been the disaster you had to fix. Uh, I best know him from this movie called Brainstorm. Are you familiar? <laughs> no, Landon, I'm not familiar with Brains. You finally stumped me. Oh my god. Uh, it's, so... The movie 2001 A Space Odyssey, all the special effects in that were done by this guy named Douglas Turnbull. Yeah. Uh, Trumbull, I'm sorry. Uh, fantastic special effects guy. He got into directing uh, very briefly. Fantastic director. He did this movie called Brainstorm with Christopher Walken. Ooh. I think it was uh, Natalie Wood's last film. Okay. Before she mysteriously disappeared mm. uh, off the side of a boat. Definitely not murdered. Um, anyway, that movie has one of the most heart-wrenching literally uh scenes in it where it, it takes a wrench to your heart it's it, it so the whole thing is about you put this this thing on your head uh this this gizmo and you can live somebody else's experience and you can record it and then play it back uh anyway strange days they record somebody having a heart attack and someone puts this thing on and the way that he films it i felt like i was having a heart attack watching the movie Whoa. it's really intense it's like up there in my top five most intense really uh uh movie moments so it's kind of a heart storm too <laughs> yes but it uh it all affects your brainwaves anyway douglas trumbull um going back to alan fudge who's in that movie and uh we're outside a character actor corner <laughs> i i don't it's the outro theme for character actor corner is more intricate than the intro <laughs> Uh, another classic Frasier move. Um, what, I, what I'm going to say about the minister, pastor, whatever at this church, yep. um, it's not Dan Aykroyd, and later it would be Dan Aykroyd. I oh mean, my like, God. you know, yes, because because he moves into the town. Yeah, yeah. So, Soul Man, the the short lived uh, addition to the uh, to the uh, Home Improvement Cinematic Universe. Yeah. The, the the TGIU. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the it's it's Home Improvement's equivalent of the Tortellis, the spinoff that was there for half a season and then just didn't quite catch. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, we get to the church. They meet the the pastor. The pastor greets Tim. You know, he greets Jill very warmly and then says, ah, Tim, haven't seen you here without your headphones in. Must not be a football game tonight. <laughs> and it's like, Tim was just making such a big deal about his son must go to church for Christmas. But then we revealed that, no, in fact, Tim doesn't take his religion seriously at all. What does Tim take seriously? Tim takes his tools seriously. That's about it. Yeah. It just makes it so much worse for me that it's like, Tim won't even respect his own religion. He won't, re like... Yeah. Tim won't respect his wife. He won't respect his coworker. He won't respect the guy who employs him. It's and then t Tim's belief is that God created the heavens and the earth, has a plan ordaining the entire the entire goings on of humanity. God planned for everything in Tim's life. God planned for Tim to get every tool. God created the tools, and Tim has to spend one hour a week paying tribute to this being. And Tim is like, ah, but the football game though, like. <laughs> That, to, that that yeah. says the most to me. And it's not even like, I'm not even Christian. I don't give a shit. I'm just like, Tim, live what you believe, you know? Yeah. That's absurd. That's well, he is. He's living the Tim Taylor religion. He He's a, yeah, he's he's a Timschen or a Toolschen or, or whatever. <laughs> Timslam? <laughs> um, and then uh, there's kind of a funny exchange here where um, the Reverend asks, where's Brad? Mm. And Jill goes, oh, he wasn't feeling too good, so he couldn't come. 
And then Tim holds Jill over the coals saying, oh, you're lying in church now, Jill. Lying in church on Christmas Eve, yeah. It's like... There's this double standard all the time with Tim being able to do what he wants, but then holding others accountable for their slightest misdeeds. It's a double XL standard. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a super double maxi ultra top secret standard that he's holding them to. It certainly is. Uh, so anyway, Al shows up. Yep. Greta is busy that night. Ah, beca- Irene. Irene, fuck, man. It's a good thing I'm not actually dating this woman because I would be getting her name mixed up all the time. Uh, plus, how do you feel about bingo? Uh, yeah, I'm all right with it. I wouldn't want to play as many frames as Al would, There though. you go. Uh, Irene had a emergency orthodontic, uh, or, or Irene had a uh, orthoponic... Oh, fuck. An, no, an orthoponic... Orthoponic, that's when you grow orthodontists in a lab. <laughs> Irene had a orthopedic emergency, uh, so she couldn't be at um, church that night. Yes, uh, there was a middle school nativity play where Joseph and Mary's braces got stuck together. <laughs> okay, guess yeah. a lot of kissing in that in that their nativity play. <laughs> oh, high school. Um, uh, but so Al, okay, so here this is this is an instance of yet another joke that I remember seeing on TV that oh, then really? stuck in my head forever. I yeah. love this joke. I I love yeah. So so Al comes in. And and Jill and and Randy are starting to to scooch over. Mark, mind you, is backstage getting yeah. into his Noel robes. And and Al goes, "Oh no, no, don't scooch in! I'll just take a pew behind you." And Tim goes, "Most of us use the bathroom." <laughs> and I remember as a kid seeing that, not necessarily thinking it was funny, but just thinking like, "Huh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to remember that until I'm an adult." <laughs> like I don't know, so, something about that just stuck yeah. in my head. So whenever people talk about a pew, I always think of Tim Allen making jokes about pews and like Tim, I don't see the bathroom joke here. <laughs> like I'm 11, Tim, I want to see the connection and I don't see it. Well, hopefully uh you you've retained that all the way to this exact moment and now moving forward in your life you'll never have to remember it again. I hope I can be free of the pew. <laughs> Uh, so Al and Tim and Jill talk about, oh, where Brad is, oh, he's mm-hmm. rebelling, it's his Christmas rebellion. Al explains that when he was a kid, his he once rebelled at Christmas because his parents got a fake Christmas tree, so he refused to sing O Tannenbaum. <laughs> I love Al. I love Al, too. And, of course, Tim can't let this slide and says, oh, Al, you were such a bad little Borland. <laughs> and, uh, then, uh, he asks about Mark, and, uh, Jill says, oh, well, he's playing the N in Noel this year. And he goes, oh, man, I wanted, I always wanted to be the letter N. Uh, and Tim goes... Tim says, this is another, this is another joke that also stuck with me. Really? Okay. I, watching this episode, yeah. I must have been eating brain food that day. Tim says, well, I don't know, you know, of course I can't let you in. The song is No Al. <laughs> and then he and Randy start singing it, because you can't just let the joke sit. You gotta, you gotta you milk it. really, really hammer it home. And this is the point where I'm like, Tim is just, he's a miserable asshole. Yeah. Tim Taylor, I want to be very specific about that. Uh... Tim Taylor just feels like a miserable asshole and that he is just bringing everybody down at all times. It doesn't even really... He doesn't take a day off for Christmas. He doesn't even seem to be, like, enjoying himself while making jokes at other people's expense. Like, yeah. He just feels like, I. this is my personality. This is who I am. I'm expected to be this person at all times. I've kind of created this obnoxious dynamic with everybody that you know i'm just trapped in this hell it's like that episode uh you're driving me nuts you're driving me crazy yes. he walks into the, the convenience store yeah i'm in hell i'm in hell i i think that you know there comes a point in addiction where you need 
you it's like it, at first you just started boozing or doing heroin or whatever because it made you feel good but now you need to do it just to feel like just to not feel horrible and i think yeah. tim has reached that point with the abuse of people around him it's just like i i don't like doing this but if i don't do this i feel even worse yeah <laughs> merry christmas everybody god I, loves no, you i think that's very astute um so a long story short uh, tim sees how upset jill is yeah. about brad not being there and the family not being together and tim gets up and says i'm gonna go take a pew <laughs> first of all he goes uh are you all right and Al, in his lament of uh, his bad Borland Christmas past, yeah. he goes, yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. <laughs> like, he's just, uh, just a brilliant... That was probably my favorite moment of the, the episode. Al is just... Because he, he played... With Al, there's never any sense of like, oh, but I'm secret. Like, Tim, there's always kind of winking at the camera like, yeah. oh, I know I'm making a joke. Al is so earnest yeah. in everything that he does, and that's what makes his character so strong, is that he just <laughs> genuinely believes that Tim is asking about him. Um, and then, you know, this is another scene where it really hits, it, you know, pushes this idea of the nuclear family, that, that the family needs to be together. That's what Jill's kind of reiterating here over and over again. It's just like... Yeah, but Brad's already at home, and you already made the point of him, like, he's going to be a miserable dickhead if he's at church. Like, I don't know. It just it, This is where it really started to feel like it was stressing the point um, of family values, of family needing to be together. We're watching a family TV show for families. Now, that's that's the real thing, that Jill is so upset that that Brad is not at the church service with them. It's like, yes, I get it. Brad is at an awkward age. It's not like Brad is not going to be with the family for any part of Christmas. He's still going to be opening presents. He's still yeah. going to have dinner with you guys. He's not at one aspect of Christmas. He is in the house. I'm going to say probably 10 minutes away from the church. <laughs> I don't know how far things are yeah. from each other. I don't even know how far rooms are in the house from each other. It's, yeah, she's she's making it out like this is a big thing. But the fact is, these kids are going to get older. These kids are all going to get cranky. You're going to deal with this a few times. Yeah, right. Uh, you are just entering adolescence, so buckle yeah. up, Jill. Oh, um, Jill. You, and then yeah. Tim shows a bit of extrasensory perception yes. uh, and drives home yes, to he, get Brad uh, to, to force him into a suit and take him to the church. Yes, he claims to be taking a pew, but in fact, he is taking a cue <laughs> from what uh, Jill is feeling. Uh, so they go home. Well, Tim goes home. Yeah. And he gets home just in time to catch Brad sneaking out with his skis. <laughs> yep. And Tim Tim's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, well, I'm, I'm going skiing. Well, who's going to take you? Like, the... yeah, He said, I explained it all in the note. <laughs> and uh, Tim walks over to the table, picks up a piece of paper that just says, went skiing, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. I, I like that a lot. Um, but, you know, he's it, then Brad reveals he's going to hitchhike to the mountain to ski. Yeah. And Brad's a bit of a dum-dum. He's a bit of a dum-dum. Also, I, maybe it was different in the 90s, but still a dum-dum. Never hitchhiked. I, I wouldn't have hitchhiked through the Detroit area uh, That's in a good mid 90s That's a good point. Yeah. Detroit area in the mid-90s, not a place you want to be getting in weird cars. Um, but, yeah, so he, you know, Tim is getting after him. And I really like Tim in this scene. Tim just sits down with Brad for, yeah. you know, kind of some tough love and just some fatherhood stuff. But, like, Tim... Yeah, you know, Tim Allen does a good performance here. Tim Allen is a good actor. Yeah. I don't like the character he plays, but he does a really good performance. And I like his character here. Uh, so what does he tell Brad? Well, Brad is saying, like, I want to go skiing because a lot of people I like will be there. And Tim goes, Christmas isn't about being with people you like. <laughs> it's about being with family. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, Tim, I agree with 
you, Tim. <laughs> um, but he's just reciting what Jill's saying. So you really uh, agree with Jill. I agree with Jill. Jill is the puppet who is working Tim. <laughs> um, but, you know, Tim Tim is just kind of explains that, like, yeah, well, you know, you're going to be 18 soon and you'll be off at college. He says, yeah, we'll come home for Christmas then. He says, yeah, you'll come home for a few, but then you'll get married. And, you know, and then we... we and he, you know, he's just kind of being very open with him about mm-hmm. how life is. And he says, we don't know how many Christmases we'll have together. I mean, you see the stunts I pull on Tool Time. You don't know uh, how long I've got. Play- I'm going to bust that line open for a second. Yeah, bust it open. The stunts I pull on Tool Time. Busting makes you feel good. So what do you... what? <laughs> Here's a theory. Yeah. Tim is a... Tim knows all the accidents that he does. And he is actually a stunt person. I mean, a, a personality. I mean, he is a TV show host. I'm not saying he's like moonlighting but i'm saying he he's has not Bruce a, Willis. he has it's it's all part of the stunts you know like he's a stunt guy can i reiterate the same point five times you're saying he's a stunt guy <laughs> i'm saying he's a stunt person i think that honestly the happiest ending to this show is tim loses tool time and becomes a stunt man because mm. he would love that yeah um yeah i mean that makes that makes sense the stunts that he pulls maybe yeah they're all set up they're all just him exactly they're you know him putting uh the potato see now look at this there are some some things that don't always make sense with a lot of these stunts why was the lamp plugged in uh on the the episode where he they're demonstrating household you know life hacks essentially and he puts the potato in there and electrocutes himself yeah he had set it up because he's a stuntman and plugged it in himself knowing that he can take just the right amount of charge uh from that thing so i'm I'm, i think he's orchestrated the chaos uh, to do the stunts for himself, I'm, I'm putting that as a new theory out there. Okay. Well, he did win that. He did win that award, uh, that safety award that they gave them because they said, "Oh, you stage these these accidents right. to teach people a lesson." Yeah, that might actually be it, man. Interesting. I, he, I think there's something to this. He he's tipped his hand uh, in this scene when he's trying to convince his son that these things are real and will and kill him. Just like uh, any human being, in a vulnerable moment, you give away too much information that can be used against you for the rest of your life. I'm going to be very careful about my vulnerable moments with you. <laughs> That's why I keep everyone at a distance. Ah, <laughs> smart man. You you know how to do it. <laughs> uh, so back at church, Tim is st- well. Okay, well at home, Tim makes this case to to. Brad, and Brad is like, "Ah, I don't know, like, Brad doesn't want to hear it. I don't know if he necessarily says that. Tim Tim gets up, and he's like, okay, well, you know, we'll see you later, and Tim walks out, and Brad is left there, uh, and the ukulele goes, shinga, 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 (laughs) shinga. It's uh, weird how Steve Martin just <laughs> comes in and starts playing the... Can, can I be honest? It enhances the show, because that man <laughs> is an American treasure. <laughs> uh, so, back at church, Tim is still not back. Al comes in and says to Jill, oh, I, I checked checked in every stall in both the men's and women's room. Tim wasn't <laughs> there, but boy was Mrs. Lindsay surprised. <laughs> Sex offender Al! <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, the the four the four boys that spell out Noel appear, uh, but they're they're a little jumbled, and they spell out... Um, Leon, the professional. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they spell that out. Then they then they rearrange their themselves, not unlike how Brad and Mark and Randy rearrange themselves in the opening credits. <laughs> exactly. And then they begin. They open their mouths, and someone hits play on a tape recording of a bunch of boys singing the first Noel. <laughs> and the boys just kind of hold their mouths open as this music plays. And then we don't get a lot of close up shots on the boys. Going back to the pod people, it's like uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's just they open their mouths Ooh. and sound comes out. Oh, that was good. That was that impressive. Was, I don't know. That sounded like an eagle almost. Yeah, it sounded like um, a body snatcher. So uh, as the kids are singing, Tim shows up and Jill's like, oh, where were you? And he's like, oh, sorry. I, I had a surprise I wanted for you, but I guess it didn't happen. And then 
like on Tim's heels, Brad walks in yeah. in a suit and comes having up. hitchhiked. Exactly. That's what I'm asking. How did you get there? If Tim didn't drive you, then you did the thing. Oh, but you were wearing a suit this time. You were hitchhiking yeah. for good, not for evil. <laughs> well, he just took that uh, um, uh, Blade Warrior shotgun that he had. Oh, I suppose I suppose you're right. Protected yeah. himself on the walk over to church, or he or he got on his remote control, you know, Dale Earnhardt car, and just I mean, drove it. clearly they can't live far from the church if Tim can leave and come back before the Noel performance. So I, yeah, I mean, it's got to be like a mile or less. I mean, you'd think like they live in this neighborhood. It's not L.A. size. Yeah. They have probably one church for the neighborhood. Um, so, yeah, Brad is there, he sits down next to Jill, she's so excited she starts crying, uh, the kids keep singing. And a great little performance, I think, by oh. Patricia Richardson. That yeah, one. yeah, oh my, you're here, I'm so happy. He's yeah. like, if you're so happy, why are you crying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounds nothing like Brad, but I want to make that the Brad impression from now on. That, that's all, that's also more or less my impression of John Connor in Terminator 2, which also <laughs> sounds nothing like him. <laughs> you're not my real dad. <laughs> You're not my real mom, Vasquez from Aliens. <laughs> uh, so the pastor is coming through, and he's handing out lit candles to people as yep. they sing. And Tim reaches for one, and the pastor pulls it away and says, I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> I love it. Chef kiss. <laughs> uh, and so instead, Tim reaches into his coat, and he pulls out his blowtorch. Little Chekhov's blowtorch action there, uh, <laughs> lighting up his torch yep. that we saw introduced at the beginning. Um, Which I thought that was kind of a fun little touch. I like that. I like yeah. that. And a, a seed that was planted at the beginning of the episode. And then the entire screen fades and fades and fades, but Except all the lights... Except for the candles and the Noel on their on the boy's chest. Not unlike in The Big Lebowski, uh, when <laughs> Steve Buscemi is dying, spoiler alert, but it's like a 20-year-old movie. And uh, the whole thing fades to black, but all we see then are the stars on the side of the bowling alley. There you go. And then... From there, we transition to the mortuary where uh, the dude and Walter <laughs> are getting ready to take uh, Donnie's ashes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, wrong, wrong thing. Wrong th yeah, wrong, wrong thing, wrong thing. Um, so, yeah, from that, we go to the stinger, I guess. No, we go to the um, the stinger is. Oh, oh yeah, no, no, right. no, no, no yeah, this yeah. is the stinger. You're right. No, usually we go to the outtakes uh, after that, but no, this is the stinger where. Um, it's the big uh, light unveiling. Yes, the, the big neighborhood competition. Yes, and. Uh, Tim is very excited. Um, so, and then this is such a throwaway line, but yet another one. It's fitting for the episode, but Jill says, let's say a little prayer. Mm -hmm. Which is just like, that feels weird. But then their their prayer is, please God, don't let Tim blow up the house. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, they do balance it. But, like, that's a, I mean, outside of this episode, maybe it wouldn't work. But the fact that they just threw it all at us in one episode, I'm like, wow, this is just a lot of... A lot of it all at once. I would posit that among people who are Christians, even if they're not the most observant Christians, I would say that, that those sorts of Christians are more likely to talk about God stuff at Christmas. The biggest <laughs> holiday Christians yeah. have. I'm just Fair, I'm, fair. I'm I'm more willing to give that I don't think that the Taylors are taking a hard turn towards like religious mania. I don't, I don't either, but I, it's just like the fact that it's never been the, the word God hasn't even been uttered in reference to God himself True. on this show. Uh, until just, today, and now it's just like all over the place. Uh, I don't appreciate you assuming God's a man. That's what I'm saying, even though I may have referred to God as a him earlier. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so they do that, and then Tim is talking about how oh, I hope this impresses those dumb, stupid judges. And then it turns out, oh no, there's only when Wilson is standing in his backyard. Yeah, Wilson reveals, oh, there's only one judge this year, and it's me. Now, 
if it were a, why are you only putting one judge in yeah. charge of this? That's right. bad. Well, because he's uh, even-handed ruler of uh, all of his kingdom. If I were Doc Johnson, if I was anyone else in the neighborhood, I'd be like, oh, the only judge of this is the guy who stands in his backyard and talks to Tim Taylor every night, and oh, look who won. Or you could be Doc Johnson and say, oh, the judge is the guy who Tim is consistently obnoxious to every single day of his life and waking up in the middle of the night. Okay, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. That I would... think there's enough to balance both sides of it that Wilson can be... Yeah. yeah. Wilson's proximity to Tim is both... It's a double-edged sword. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so then Tim climbs up on the roof because, uh, I guess one of the lights isn't in properly. Yeah, Rudolph's Brad, red nose. Brad hadn't done the nose yeah. right. So he climbs up on the roof. We see him up on this weird roof of the house that doesn't make any sense in time and space based on what else we're looking at. Well, like we've, we've seen this before. Um, and it didn't make time. In, it didn't make time <laughs> and sense in space then either, Landon. Uh, he goes up, he unscrews yeah. the, the bulb to re-screw it in, mm-hmm. drops it. Brad says something, something, noun, verb, adjective, He says, wet, be careful, light bulb. yeah, with, uh, with a wet bulb. Yeah, because it, it dropped in. In, the, in the snow. And uh, Tim does not take that to heart, and then screws it. And we get a shot of everyone on the ground, and you just hear, <laughs> and all the lights in the neighborhood are pulsing. Yeah, and Wilson goes, oh, it was close, but I actually didn't know you had a uh, glow-in-the-dark electric... Uh, Tim Taylor on your roof. Yep. Well, in that case, and then I guess that means he won. I the guess competition. So this victory is so sweet. So he won, but of course Wilson is smart enough to know that, like, oh no, that's not a light up, Tim. That, yeah. Like the human being we saw go up there and yeah. then start getting electrocuted. That's a human being electrocuted. That's because he he's bottling up all of that, uh, all those those thoughts and stuff that he can't say to Tim when he sees the three wise cool guys yeah he's like oh yeah no no this is this is apt punishment this is fair <laughs> they tampered in god's domain uh and we get a shot of tim on the roof and he is getting electrocuted so hard and then the words merry christmas are spilled out in the electricity <laughs> uh yeah and it's weird and it's bizarre and I, it's strange can... I don't and really it's know. What confusing. We, what do we say? I mean, what can be said except "Merry Christmas"? Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> God bless. This takes us to the out hell. <laughs> so the, the outtakes here are: is the cast of Home Improvement uh, singing to us? Should I say singing or should no, I say grunting? They're grunting. We wish you a Merry Christmas, guys. We haven't. Let's go into our grunt count, guys. Last week. There was some gnashing of teeth. There were some lamentations. Uh, we were concerned that this show was gravitating away from grunts. <laughs> we were concerned, like, there have been such a run of episodes with no with no grunts in them. Uh-huh. That, and then I and I said, and just, we were like, wow, I don't know what's happening. There's going to be fewer grunts this season than any other. And and one of us said, oh, man, next week, but watch, the show always proves us long, wrong. Next week, they'll probably break the grunt record. <laughs> and did they? This week, in this episode of Home Improvement, there were 73 grunts. This is, ladies and gentlemen, we have shattered our previous record, which was set on Christmas season one. Of 55. We uh, doubled it. Doubled it? Is well, that how math works? No, Landon, even I know that's not how math works. <laughs> Fraser, correcting your math. Um, no, no, dudes, there, there is a distinct correlation here between Christmas and grunt-busting episodes. Mm-hmm. So, in 
they grunt at the end of the episode when they grunt the, the whole the whole cast grunts we wish you a merry christmas yeah we had to watch this a bunch of times because tim is grunting for most of it but then he stops at one point, seemingly because he has a sore throat, and, the, and just watches the rest of the cast. <laughs> well, I, I was watching the rest of the cast because you were counting the grunts. Um, what ends up happening, first of all, Mark, and I feel for him in this. Not Mark, Taron Noah Smith, because we're not, these aren't characters anymore. These are the actors. Yeah. And Taron Noah Smith is so uh, overwhelmed by the loudness of everybody grunting at once that he's just kind of like standing there going, ah. And I felt very, very because I, I have a similar thing with loud noises. I yep. can't deal with it very well. Yep, yep. Um, Tim stops grunting at a certain point because Jill or Patricia Richardson is just like at a certain point in the song, just goes, "Why are her facial expression just goes? Why are we still grunting? This is the w- most ridiculous thing you've had me do on this show, and you've had me do a lot of them, and you have me pretend to be married to this man." Tim <laughs> Tim sees her face and just goes, "Ah, oh, yeah, okay. We're kind of this is." getting too old um but he also has a little bit of a tone of like no grunting's my thing and everybody else is is grunting so much and richard karn looks over and sees that they stopped and so he kind of stops and then the boys just keep going full force or at least uh jonathan taylor thomas and zachary ty Bryan do because they are kids and just love being obnoxious and loud and that ties it back to me of why it's appealing to tim to do in the first place because it's obnoxious and loud, and kids like it. And it's over because Tim is a boy. Yeah, exactly. And when he sees somebody else do it, he sees the obnoxiousness because it's not him doing it. Okay, okay. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm, I applaud how much analysis you did of who was looking at what and thinking what, rereading lips and stuff. Well, too. we did have to rewind it like three we, times. I guess we did to watch get it a all lot. the grunts. They grunt, Tim grunts in, just in the end credits. 43 times. Jesus. So I do want to bring up for discussion the, the very first scene, um, the tool time set, yeah. oh, yes. where there are a lot of grunts. However, some of them seem like they transition and evolve into hoes. Yes. He, and, he, well, let me explain. Uh, Tim starts to grunt a song uh, at the beginning of tool time as well. Um, where he's like, ho, 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 ho. And by the end of it, he's going, ho, 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 ho. ho. And they're clearly hoes. So so my question to you is, uh, how do we, how are you counting these? Well, I went through there. I counted the first bunch. As long as there's kind of a, in the voice or something. Yeah. That, to me, is a grunt. But then once he started enunciating and speaking like a normal human, like, there there came a point when you start to hear more of a, ha, at the beginning. Yeah, right. So, there's a, ha, ha, ha. You could do that with a grunt. Yeah, you you could do you could do that, but he wasn't like getting growly with it. You know, he was just yeah. he was just up at the up at the very top of his vocal register. <laughs> uh, you know. So what do you do with the in between? Like, where's the cutoff for you? Where's the cutoff for me? Well, I mean, you're asking uh, you're asking so much, Landon. You're asking so much analysis of me because this was way at the beginning well, of the this episode. This is the work, man. This is what this is, we're, this our is, show's about. I suppose this is what we do. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I cut him off after I think. He got, uh, I think I cut him off like five in there was okay. when it started to get, like, just when he stops, because he does, he goes into this lower vocal register, too, in this more gravelly one, when he just was kind of doing more of just sort of a Timmy kind of ho, 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 right. and enunciating it better, that was that was when I, I cut it off. But okay. I, I, I also, I had Landon go back and rewind it, too, listeners, so, like, we, we can be confident that 
are great. Also, even before they started singing, this was a 30 grunt episode before they started oh, singing man. at the end. That's so crazy. It is so crazy. Um, it is wild. And you know what, man? We're, we're in this endeavor together, so no matter what you choose for the grunt count, you've got my backing. Thank you. Well, I want to choose the accurate answer for the grunt count. <laughs> so yeah, 73 grunts. Life has no meaning. Who knows what happens next? <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to talk about for this episode? I don't want to talk about another goddamn thing. Okay. Well, we do have a user-submitted question. All right. Um, What do they want to know? This is from our friend John Smith again. Uh, Yes, yes, our our most UK-livingest fan. (laughs) Um, He says... Now, this is not a, a home improvement specific episode or a question. Uh, yeah, I would. I wish we got some non home improvement specific episodes. So we'll have to tie it into it somehow. Okay. Um, would you rather be deaf or blind? You have to lose one. Lose one of those senses. I'm assuming he's meant. I'm gonna just come right out and say deaf. Deaf. I'd rather mm. be deaf. Okay. Um. Because I would. Mi- I would miss. Why? Well, you know. Uh. Why? Well, a. Because uh, then I would have an excuse whenever someone asked me to like listen to their band's album and be like, "Oh, sorry, can't can't hear it." Um, okay. Also, just because I need my eyes more than my ears, yeah. I, I use them both a lot, and not and like being deaf. I mean, that would rob me of podcasts and of Electric Light Orchestra. But at the same time, <laughs> not having eyes would. Well, I wouldn't be able to see Patricia Richardson. Uh, and also, it's like, I, I would rather live in a silent world than a completely dark world. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm, that's, that's okay. mine. That's a good, that's a good answer. Yeah. I, how, I, okay, and I suppose to tie this back to home improvement, the way that I would lose my hearing, <laughs> Tim Allen style, would probably be something with like, I don't know, I want to say like a, 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 like I'm doing a, sh- we're doing a show at a fire station and I'm climbed up on top of the fire truck and the siren goes off right next to my head. That seems like a thing that would happen to Tim. Can you lose your hearing entirely from that though? One of my friends in high school, his dad was a fireman and he certainly got severe hearing damage because one of the rookies turned on the, the horn when he was cleaning it. Um, interesting. I, I feel compelled now to have to answer the opposite answer well that's uh, not just to really... give both sides of the coin then but... we have no credibility if no, it's you're just right. us you're right. playing off each I other do, i'm just telling you how i feel we had so much credibility before but i'm gonna go against uh how i feel and say that um i would choose deafness as well yeah um way to go choosing the same one as me <laughs> copycat <laughs> uh i mean you have to i mean you how, you do, we, how do we you love driving you love road trips. <laughs> I do. I you can't do. do that if you're blind, with all due respect to well, blind people. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to be extra cautious as well while you're deaf. I mean, you need... Yeah, but the, the eyesight is the most important yeah. thing for driving. Right. I mean, I hearing mean, I'm is good, not, too. I, I, I'm treading cautiously here to not be uh, insensitive to anybody with one of these... Uh... Yeah, we don't, want to, we don't want to be ableist. I mean... Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but I would choose deafness just because my whole life is kind of centered around... My eyes, whether it's watching and writing movie, or writing, well, watching movies or writing about movies or mm-hmm. uh, writing about anything, um, design, you know, any of that stuff. It's just, it's all with my eyes. Um, my ears, I am just, oh God, this is where I start to sound insensitive. So trust me, I know how it sounds, but I am always just clamoring for peace and quiet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know maybe the peace doesn't come with that. Maybe it does. I, I don't know. Maybe it would, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in my current keep making, state. Keep, I, I, if I were yeah, deaf, I couldn't yeah, hear you making yeah, those sounds. Right. Now um, everyone wishes they were deaf who listens to our podcast. 
that that's where I'm at. Okay, I think that fits. I, I'm not saying that deaf people have peace and quiet. I'm just saying that's what's predicating my choice right now. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'd split the difference. Blind in one eye, deaf in one ear. Wow. I don't know if I'd want them like both that, on the same side. Wasn't Jimmy Stewart that way by the end of his life? <laughs> I know he was like kind of always deaf in one ear, but I don't. I think he became blind uh, toward the end of his life in one eye. George Bailey was deaf in one ear. Jimmy Stewart was the actor who played George yes, Bailey. but it was also true. So there was method acting is what you're saying? He went deaf in one ear for the part? Yes. <laughs> no wonder It's a Wonderful Life is such a classic. <laughs> oh, well, my God. Uh, uh, doctor, I just want you to take the hearing out of my ear. I, it's for the part. You know what I like about going deaf in one ear? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Um, so I hope we answered that question sufficiently. If you have a user-submitted question, you can hit us up uh, Twitter, Facebook, at GruntWorkPod, or our email address, info at GruntWorkPodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment, uh, like last week, uh, like Tanya did. Um, on our website, you can comment on any of the episodes. So feel free to leave us a comment if you have an episode-specific question. Do you have anything else you want to go into? Uh, no- I've already asked you that. But... Nothing else I want to go into. The answer has not changed. Okay. Then uh, we really appreciate you guys listening. If you really want to help the show find more listeners, you can uh, leave us a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Plus, with each rating, it makes us more likely to take a pew in the bathroom, not behind you. <laughs> uh, you can also find information about today's episode on our website, which is www.grantworkpodcast.com While you're there, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released, as well as receive exclusive trivia, the grunt count, and updates on what Truman and I are doing. Like you put a little English on grunt count in there. That was good. <laughs> uh, I had to. I felt like it this week. Yeah, this week, um, yeah. Lastly, join in the conversation by hitting us up on Twitter or Facebook, uh, which you can find us at GruntworkPod. And with that... I've been Truman Caps. I've been Landon Solano. And remember, if the podcast you're listening to right now isn't grunt work, Jesus is super mad at you, and he's going to tell his dad, who's God. <laughs> I got it. <him. laughs>